Okay, if you could just give us a level check, that would be great. My name is Jared Shoemate, and I'm a Nordic Combined athlete. My name is Taylor Fletcher, and I'm a Nordic Combined athlete. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. I'm Elizabeth Beisel, two-time Olympic medalist, and I am jumping the press rope to take you inside the Athletes' Villages, some of the most interesting and exclusive places at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games. We'll talk to athletes whose performances are pushing the medal count on snow and ice, discussing pretty much anything and everything but actually winning medals, because we want to go behind the scenes, and even Olympic heroes have to eat unfiltered conversations from the ground about the daily experiences that make up the real athlete experience of the games. You know, like life and being in the village, because it isn't all nail-biting pressure and medal ceremonies all the time. You can hear us in the headphones okay? Yep. Okay, we'll get started in three, two, one. Awesome, you guys. Jared and Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, In the Village. We appreciate your time. We know that you have a lot going on, but hopefully this is going to be nice and easy. We're going to get some insight in the village and who you guys are as athletes off the field of play. Taylor, I want to ask you, you are the veteran, um, the heavy veteran, so much so that one of your nicknames is old man, which I read somewhere. What is it like being a leader and somebody that has that experience? And then afterwards, Jared, I want to know what it's like to kind of learn and watch somebody like Taylor just be such a role model for everybody. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I've kind of been grandfathered into that role as uh, all my older teammates have since retired. um, And some of my younger teammates have also retired. So uh, there's a pretty large age gap in our, our team. And uh, I think it's only fair that they call me old man. Um, but, you know, it, it's all it's all fun and games. Uh, you know, these guys are young and they're they're hungry. Um, I'm slightly older and, and I'm still hungry and having fun. And uh, it creates an awesome dynamic for sure. And Jared, how do you feel? <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk over him. <laughs> As the old man, uh, this isn't my first rodeo. So, uh, you know, Jared, who's uh, the newbie on the team, is still figuring out how to do interviews, uh, you know, how to do podcasts, all the the media stuff. Yeah, okay. Jared, in fairness, I did ask uh, a two-part question, and it was to two different people. So I'm going to take the fall on this one. (laughs) So for you, Jared, what is it like learning from somebody as experienced, um, you know, as Taylor is? definitely super helpful uh this being my first olympics um first really big event um aside from world championships i had no idea what to expect coming to the olympics so like having taylor to kind of help get me prepped on what to expect with the games granted these games are different with covid nobody quite knew what to expect but having uh having taylor around to kind of know the ropes and Help me learn how this whole process works. It's been super helpful. Taylor, just steering the ship for all the rookies. I absolutely love it. You guys have the longest, widest skis and then the narrowest, skinniest skis. How many pairs are you bringing with you to the Olympics for each event? Um, how hard is that to pack, to travel with? Um, kind of give me an inside look into what it is like 
to be a skier and get all of that gear to the Olympics? It's a, uh, it's a challenge. Um, I mean, I think a couple of times our sport has been voted the hardest uh, winter Olympic sport and packing goes right along with that. Uh, we have to pack all of our cross country stuff and all of our jumping stuff. Um, and, you know, we try to bring as little amount of stuff as possible. Otherwise you take up a full room, but uh, you know, in all reality, we bring two pairs of jump skis um, and then our wax techs bring all of our cross country skis. And, uh, you know, I think here we probably have upwards of 50 pairs of skis total um, for cross country. So that's uh, not a ton compared to some other teams, but uh, we also use all of those skis. And so I really don't think there's been a pair of skis that hasn't been uh, tested while we've been here. So we know exactly what we have and, and what we're going to use. Yeah. And we do have kind of a unique system with our team. Uh, a lot of Nordic combined teams, uh, each athlete has their own fleet of cross country skis. But for us, um, all of us um, ski with the same company. So we have a team fleet of skis, which I think makes it easier, not only for us, but also for our wax techs that they get to learn all the skis that we're skiing on instead of us each showing up with eight to 10 pairs of our own skis. Um, we use the same skis throughout the season so they know kind of what works and what conditions. When it comes down to comp day, how, like, what goes into the decision as to what pair of skis you're going to ski in? Is it like you're really feeling a pair during practice or they're your lucky pair? What goes into that decision? Uh, on, on the jumping side, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, you get a certain amount of pairs throughout the year. Maybe you get two pairs at the beginning of the year and you start testing right away to figure out which ones work better. And, you know, 90% of the time, I would say the pair that you like better is going to work better on almost every single hill. So you kind of keep going on the same, same ski. Um, but you know, I got a new pair of skis here, uh, that I immediately liked and switched to in one of the first training sessions, uh, at the Olympics. So, you know, there are those variables, um, and, you know, jump skis are very unique as they're built uh, individually. And so you'll get two pairs of skis that can be quite a bit different. Um, but, you know, each pair, um, the both, the both the skis in that pair are, you know, pretty identical. So um, it, it's fun, you know, but it's not like we're going out there and trying to test 10 pairs of jump skis before uh, the large hill individual jump going like, oh, man, I don't know which pair to ski uh, to use. So, uh, you know, that's fun, but on the cross country side, it's, uh, I think probably quite a bit different. Yeah. And, um, for us, for example, yesterday we competed in a large hill and did not touch our race skis until we were going to the start line. Like we have a really good team of, uh, wax techs and service guys that we trust a hundred percent to make our skis as fast as they can possibly be. So when we get those skis, right, as we're walking up the stairs to the start line, we're confident in them. We know that they're working as hard as they possibly can all day, even getting frostbite on their fingers and toes to make sure that we have the fastest skis possible. I'm sure that's a huge peace of mind for you guys. Taylor, you mentioned Nordic Combined being one of the hardest Olympic sports, and I want to hear from both of you why, if, Jared, you agree, why you both think that is to be true. I mean, um, when you look at Nordic combined, you have to look at the, the two different sports. So you have ski jumping, very explosive, 
Um, ski jumpers are typically pretty light, uh, but have really good power. Um, and so when you look at one of the best ski jumpers on the circuit, you know, he is, uh, lightweight, but you know, he has very high, uh, vertical. Um, so he's able to jump really high, but then, you know, you have the cross country side, which is, uh, a pure endurance sport. When you look at distance runners and you ask them to jump, uh, the common joke is they're trying to slide a credit card underneath their feet um, in time. You know, endurance sports don't have very big uh, leaps. And so we're taking two different sports that are almost polar opposites and combining them into one, um, which is uh, a challenge in itself because uh, for a long time it was you train one sport, uh, one side more than the other, you're taking away from the other side. So um, it creates its difficulties and challenges, but, uh, I think that's the, the fun in it for sure. Yeah. And it's a big shift in mentality too. I think, um, for ski jumping an entire ski jump lasts at most 10 seconds, but really the, the jump part of the ski jump is about a quarter of a second when you're going 90 kilometers an hour off the takeoff. And so you're trying to execute perfect technique for that quarter of a second when you're jumping off the takeoff. But then for a cross-country race in order to combine, you're out there suffering for 25 to 30 minutes. So you got to learn kind of the, the trade-off between trying to execute perfectly for a quarter of a second off the ski jump and then just switch your mentality to pushing your body as hard as you can for 25, 30 minutes. You know, and, and I'll compare this. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys are golfers, but when you try to hit a golf ball as hard as you possibly can, it never goes right. And I think that's right in line with a ski jump. You know, it's a, you need to feel it and you need to be in rhythm and, and with that motion. Um, whereas cross country for me, you know, I'm swinging as hard as I possibly can trying to get every aspect of energy out by the time I cross that finish line. Um, last night I probably would have collapsed onto the ground, but it was, uh, minus five degrees Fahrenheit. And, uh, I would rather not get frostbite. Yeah, I think that's fair. How have you been dealing with that cold? Are there extra layers that you put on, um, something that you do before getting out there that maybe we wouldn't even know about? Yeah. Our, uh, one of our coaches put me onto this, but I've been racing with latex gloves on underneath my regular gloves. So I'm wearing the warmest possible gloves I have and then in addition to that, having that windproof uh, latex glove on underneath. And even then, like it's so cold out there that still my fingers still feel feel the cold from yesterday. And and for me, I just grow, grew a beard overnight. So uh, you get a little bit extra insulation. But uh, no, I mean, we had KT tape all over our face. Um, I switched my gloves right before the start. Uh, so I was in a warm, fresh pair um, wore our puffy jackets out to the start line and had our coach take them right before we started. So we're taking, uh, every measure possible to stay warm. And, um, you know, we don't want to lose any energy trying to, you know, uh, get warmed up, uh, before the race. Yeah. We've seen a lot of the athletes putting that KT tape on their face to help prevent literal frostbite and windburn. Has, has that been a thing for a while? Is this kind of new? Can you explain what KT tape is for, you know, the listener that doesn't really know that? Yeah, so we, um, they do make specific KT tape that's cut for your face. I think it's just called face tape. 
but uh, it's essentially athletic tape that you put over your skin. It doesn't add much like warmth, but it protects your bare skin from being exposed to uh, the minus five to minus 10 temperatures, especially when you calculate in, you're going downhill at sometimes 60 or 70 kilometers an hour. So that wind chill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we, I don't do it too much. Um, I think I've maybe raced in the past once or twice with KT tape on, but uh, at the Olympics, trying to make sure you're doing everything to keep your body at um, peak performance shape. And even that little piece of tape over your nose and cheeks can make a big difference. And the, the nice thing is it's uh, a little stretchy. And so like when you see it on the body for rehab purposes, you know, they pull it and stretch it. But with this, it's nice to be able to put it on so that it's flush to the skin and um, you're not having like a, a flap right in, in line with your vision or something. So um, it's a great use for it. Um, I don't know if it was the original uh, practical reasoning for KT tape, um, but it works and uh, you see everyone using it. Who knew KT tape was so functional on so many different levels? Um, how hard does it hurt when you peel it off? Are you like getting a fresh face wax? Like, is your beard, Taylor, all of a sudden just not as thick as it was? No, I mean, uh, it's one of those things uh, you take it off as soon as you possibly can. I think uh, Jared left his on a little bit last uh, longer last night and tried to take it off in the dining hall and uh, looked like he was pulling the skin off of his face. So Yeah, that um, was a mistake. It's it's not too bad, but uh, if you leave it on there for a little while, it, it tends to stick and it makes it a little bit harder to uh, pull it off. Yeah. Speaking of dining hall, is there a particular sport or person or team that you guys have sat with at the dining hall that left an impression on you or you thought was really, really cool? Um, we've been kind of trying to keep to our own little COVID bubble. Um, so we're kind of mostly eating uh, just with our our team. Um, and I'm not sure if people have seen pictures, but every seat within our dining hall has little plexiglass around it. So you're not too close to anybody else, but it is pretty cool. Like, cause we all watch all the other winter sports, um, throughout the season. And so to be in the dining hall and look over and you're like, Oh, I watched you win a biathlon world cup last week. Like to have that kind of mix of athletes is really cool because a lot of times throughout the winter Nordic combined is kind of on its own circuit. Um, so it's cool to, even if we're not necessarily like sitting at the table with athletes from other countries and other sports, it's cool to be all in that same environment. And, and it's fun. I mean, you, you build friendships at the Olympics, um, whether they're your direct competitors or competitors from other sports, uh, you tend to get to know a lot of the people, but you know, also, uh, you don't really get to see other U.S. Olympians that often. So when you come to the games, uh, it's fun to chat with them, see how, you know, the season's going, how life's going, um, all that. I know Jared's been out there. Uh, Valentine's Day was the other day. And, you know, he was trying to find his uh, his Valentine for the day, but I don't know if he was successful. Yeah, we're, uh, we're social distancing. <laughs> We're still looking. Don't worry. Yeah. Anybody listening to this podcast, Jared's still looking for a Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor and Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Jared, best of luck on that hunt for the Valentine. Taylor, I know that you will lead him in the right direction, like the leader and veteran you are. And best of luck heading forward in everything that you guys do. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. 
Every four years, the world's greatest athletes compete for gold, and that time is now. The Winter Olympics on NBC and Peacock. 17 days of action, excitement, glory, and history in the making. Don't miss a single epic moment. The Winter Olympics continue tonight on NBC and Peacock.